Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. Well, we are in a series called Peace That Passes All Understanding. And the verse that we have been launching from is found in the book of Luke chapter 2. This is the story of the angels coming and announcing the birth of Jesus. And this is the verse that we have uh, decided to launch from. Let's read this verse together. It's on your screen. It's in the notes. They're at home. We can hear you. We can't hear you, but someone can hear you. So at home as well, read this verse together. Ready? Begin. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Peace on earth. That is the good news of Christmas. And yet if you're like me, people get in the way of our peace, right? It's Sunday morning. You can be honest. title of today's message is this. Everybody drives me crazy. In fact, let's just say that together. Ready? Begin. Everybody drives me crazy. Now, let's say it like we mean it. Don't point at anyone. But let's just say it like we mean it. Ready? Begin. Everybody. Perhaps this time of year more than others, right? Like on a normal Tuesday when you're in traffic and someone just cuts you off, it's fine, it's whatever. Maybe you can make an allowance for them. But you do that this week or next week as we're rushing and we're preparing for this one day where there will be peace in our house. This person should not do what they're doing. They're driving me crazy. Uh, How many of you know this time of year is a time where you just don't ask a lot of questions in the house, right? I asked Libby if I can go shopping for a couple hours. I I didn't say I was going shopping. I said, I just need a couple of hours on Saturday. Um, I'm just going to leave the house and I'm going to come back. And I kind of just gave her this look, like, don't ask me anything else, right? And she didn't. It was great. And I was out shopping, and, um, and it was just crowded. Just too many people. Um, and I did my best to just stay in the Christmas spirit. You know how I do that? I have earbuds everywhere I go, and it just distracts me from what's happening around me. I went to uh, Taco Bell on Wednesday. Maybe Thursday. I think it was Thursday. I forget what day. It was Thursday. And I just wanted like a bean burrito and a drink. And I had some reading to do. And I thought, I've been in my office all day. I'm going to go to Taco Bell and then I'll go home. So I went to Taco Bell. It was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Had a bean burrito and a drink. And I've gone to Taco Bell well enough to know. I know what that costs. It's going to be about $4. And she charged me. And it was like 3 something. And I remember thinking, oh, that's weird. And I went back and I sat down. I looked at my receipt. You know what she did? She gave me the senior discount. And I I couldn't. There was two parts in my mind. If you know me, I love a good deal. So half of me was so elated that I only spent $3 and change. And the other part was like, how dare you? How very dare you give me a scene? And so for, I was just half and half. I was like, I'm teetering on this line of a good deal and a senior discount. I went back when my burrito was there and I said, thanks. Everybody 
drives us crazy. And whether we realize it or not, there are moments in our days, those interactions, where something doesn't go as planned or, or maybe we get really offended easily, right? Um, what does it look like to get offended easily? Well, you, uh, you go on Facebook, right? That's where it starts. Or you hear something that you don't agree with and all of a sudden your, your balance is off and for some reason we have been driven to this town we call Crazy Town and we're there. Uh, we all know there's two things you don't talk about over Christmas dinner or in general with the family and that's what? Religion and? Well, it feels like this year you have to add a third subject and that's science. Right? Like we've never had so many science experts as we do now. We have been conditioned to be quick to judge, quick to call foul, and quick to be offended. You hurt me, you've wronged me, I'm going to cancel you, I'm going to block you. That's the terminology wherein we live. And so let me start here as we think about this idea of peace, even while everyone drives us crazy. Let's start here. If we are on a continual search to be offended, we will always find what we're looking for. If you live your life in such a way that you are just waiting to be offended, church, you will find what you're looking for. You will absolutely find what you're looking for every time. If you're looking to be offended, to be wronged, or to be angry, you will always find what you're looking for. And so the challenge is there's absolutely no win in living offended. In fact, here we go, being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. Being offended is inevitable, but living is Offended is a choice. And if it's a choice, as followers of Jesus Christ, we must choose wisely. So with that, we're going to seek God for some true relational peace from Jesus, who is our peace. And so we're going to begin here in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 14. We'll begin here. It says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. And if peaceable, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone you like. Yeah, live peaceably with all. So Romans 14, incredibly easy to read, incredibly difficult to live out. This is what the apostle says. He starts here. He says, bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them. Bless your enemies. Bless those who are mean to you. Bless those who cause offense. Bless those who constantly offend you. Bless them. Do not curse them. In other words, as Followers of Jesus Christ, we don't pay evil for evil. That is not the way in which we live. And so what does it mean to bless someone? Well, it comes from this Greek word. Um, just take my word for it. I don't know how to say it. Um, eulogio, I believe. You means good. Logos means word. It comes from this word meaning good word. Or very literally, it means to speak well 
or to wish the best blessing for someone. It's the same word, this word bless, as the word that we use for eulogy. And when you get up for a eulogy at uh, the end of someone's life, you are going to speak well of them. You're going to speak honorably of them. You're going to speak good of them. And so Jesus, God says to us in Romans, for those who persecute you, for those who drive you crazy, for those who offend you, you will speak well of them. You will speak good of them. You will bless them that persecute you. Now here's the thing. It's really easy for me to wish the best for you if I like you. It's the rest of you that make it difficult for me. I'm just saying what you're thinking and what I'm thinking. It's easy to bless people that we agree with, that we like, that we love. It's incredibly difficult, though, when someone offends us, when someone's harsh to us, when someone belittles us, when someone leaves you out of a group text, when someone uh, does not invite you to the party that you've always gone, when someone um, stiffs you on a gift, when someone doesn't send the Christmas card to you. It's really easy for us to start um, owning that hurt, that wound. And so Paul gives us a very, very specific, a very direct command. And in the Greek language, it's called a present imperative. What that means is that anytime in the Greek language you see a present imperative, it means you do what you're told and you keep on doing it. It's not a one-time act. Very literally, Paul says this, bless those who persecute you and continue to bless them. Paul is giving us this imperative inspired by the Holy Spirit that we as followers of Jesus Christ are to be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem in our life. How do we do that? How do we, um, how do we undo what's so easy in our nature to do? Well, if we're in Romans chapter 12 and we're in verse 14, it's nice to go back to the beginning of this portion of uh, the letters of Romans. So we're going to go to verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is the premise that Paul begins this discourse. For uh, eight, for six chapters, Paul declares to us, this is what sin is, this is what righteousness is, this is what justification is, and this is what grace is. Doctrinal, big, theological words to paint the picture of our relationship with Jesus. In chapters 9, 10, and 11, he, he begins this uh, a three-chapter uh, discourse on the nation of Israel and where they fit into these big idea. And then verse uh, chapter 12, he says, based on everything we've learned, based on all of this doctrinal theology of love and sin and justification and grace, this is how we put it to practice. Verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Other translations will begin this way, in view of God's mercy. So church, I ask you, how merciful has God been to you? How much has he forgiven you from that which you didn't deserve? How much has he blessed you beyond what you should have earned? In view of that mercy, in view of that grace that's been extended, in view of how God has blessed you, we now present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable. Paul says this, we are a living sacrifice, which seems like a contradiction of terms. 
it seems like this doesn't make sense, a living sacrifice, because anytime an animal was sacrificed, there really wasn't an opportunity to take volunteers. Not that any of them would have volunteered. But when you think about the living sacrifice, the Lamb of God comes to mind, and when he was alive, Jesus said, not my will, but yours. He was willing to die. He was a living sacrifice. He says, no one will take my life. I will lay it down. So how do we love others? How do we become a living sacrifice? Well, we lay down our natural responses. So when someone does someone that could uh, border on the side of offending you, we avoid that natural response and we bless them, we speak well of them. When Libby and I were dating and then uh, after we got engaged, we did what was called premarital counseling. And we sat down with an awesome couple that uh, walked us through premarital counseling. One of the best pieces of advice uh, Andy Swanson gave me uh, gave us was um, in every interaction, in every discussion, especially when you don't feel like it, think the best of your partner's intent. Think the very best of your partner's intent. What does that avoid? It avoids being offended. It avoids unnecessary hurts or wounds that you would paint in your own mind. And so uh, what does it look like? To do that in a normal interaction, it means I go back, I get my bean burrito, and I say thank you with a big smile. Because maybe there was a look of worry or maybe there was a look of distress in my face, and she thought, I'm going to give you this discount just to brighten your day just a little bit. And if I think the best of her intent, all of a sudden I'm not offended. I'm not living in this hurt. I'm not living in this wound that I've created for myself. I speak well of the intent. Um, yeah, we, we avoid the natural response. That's what a living sacrifice is. We have a choice in the matter, and as we choose, we choose wisely. Uh, we lay down our selfish desires. We die to our own will so that Christ's love can be viewed through us. Paul said it this way in Galatians. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's so much truth in these sentences. The first sentence says this, my old life has been crucified with Christ. That means every bit of sin, every bit of guilt, every bit of shame, every bit of pettiness, every bit of... Um, every bit of um, selfishness, every bit of self-worth that I would own irresponsibly has been crucified with Christ. All of that sin, all of that guilt, all of that shame, all of it has been crucified with Christ. Then he says this, it's no longer I who live. So in this daily life that I live now, after I've become a follower of Jesus Christ, after I've publicly identified with him, after I've declared my faith and I've been baptized, now from this point forward, I live because Christ lives in me. So um, my natural responses, my natural urges, my natural propensity to pay evil with evil or revenge whenever I'm hurt or wherever I think I'm hurt or wherever I'm just offended or if I'm just not in a good mood, I push that all aside because now Christ lives in me, and I know Christ would not respond that way, so now I don't respond that way. 
And he says this, so I live in this earthly body here by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Boy, some of us would do well to begin our days just by reading this and kind of owning it. Paul goes on in verse 16, chapter 14, he says this, live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. You know what he's saying? Don't be stuck up. Get along with people. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Jesus did not tell us to be right. He told us to be loving. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't tell us to be right. He told us to be loving. So in our interactions with people, when we are offended or they drive us crazy or there's these, uh, there's these parts where we feel uh, wronged or hurt, Jesus didn't say, well, make sure they know you were right. He says, make sure they know you're loving. He said they would know who we are, not by how correct we are, but how loving we are. And how can you be loving when everyone else drives you crazy? Well, the devil wants our stories, our lives to be rooted in accusation. And so if the devil had his way, we would live from a place of accusation. And when something, had, something happens to us, uh, we would go out and we would say, well, that person hurt me. And that person didn't treat me well. And this person uh, wronged me. And this person didn't love me well. And this person... This person, and when we live with that type of accusation in our life, it erodes the very fabric of our relationships. And so marriages crumble when spouses accuse one another. Relationships and families erode when brothers against brother and sisters against sisters accuse each other. Churches are divided because of accusations. Paul said it this way in Ephesians, always be humble, be gentle, be patient with one another, making allowances for each other's faults. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? The love that God has extended to me is so great. The grace that God has extended to me is so great that we are called now to make allowances for one another's faults because of Jesus' love for us. Remember, you're going to be offended. This week, someone will offend you. Someone will wrong you. Uh, someone will hurt you. You will be offended this week. It's inevitable. Living with that offense is a choice. And church, we, our life is too short and our calling too great to be offended by something small. Our life is short, it's a mist, it's here a little while, and our calling is won by God himself to show his love. And this time of year especially, we are called to remember God's grace to us, God's love for us. Proverbs says it this way, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. And that wise words, let's say that one together, ready, begin. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Church, if our joy can be robbed or destroyed by something small, 
I would ask you to reconsider the source of your joy. Wouldn't it be amazing that because of God's love for us, we just got better at overlooking offenses? This doesn't mean that we pretend they do not happen. It is a conscious decision to forgive in the moment. That word overlook in Proverbs is in the Hebrew language. It's this word avor. And it means to pass over. It means to get above it, to rise above it. It doesn't mean we, uh, we, we pretend that it never happened. It doesn't mean that we dismiss the hurt and the wounds that it has left. It doesn't mean that we let the person off the hook, so to speak. But what it does do is say this, I no longer own this, and I will forgive in the moment. Someone's rude to you, forgive it and release it. Um, someone uh, overlooks you, forgive and you release it. Um, families in, in town, your family's in town for the holidays and they just get under your nerves, you forgive it and you release it. Your in-laws correct you on how to make the meal, you forgive it and you release it. Your kids... Uh, your kid's just getting under, you forgive it and release it. Someone makes a passive-aggressive statement, you forgive it and you release it. Because it is our glory to do so. It is our glory to rise above it. Why? Because there will come a moment in your life where that relationship is in desperate need of the love of Jesus Christ. There will become a moment in your life where they are in desperate need to experience God's forgiveness and his grace that allows them to live a full life. And if you're holding on to this bit of resentment, it is the obstacle that prevents you from introducing them to Jesus. Wouldn't you want that slate to be clear? Wouldn't you want that relationship to have nothing on your end preventing relationship so that when there is a heartache that's so great and they think, my goodness, I'm going to reach out to my brother. I'm going to reach out to my sister. I'm going to reach out to my employee or my colleague. Why? Because for some reason they forgave me. They let go of this hurt. I can't help but think that's probably because they've experienced something I haven't experienced yet. And all of a sudden you have the opportunity to point them to the way of Jesus. Love does not seek to win the argument. Love seeks to protect the relationship. Church, sometimes in our effort to be right, we have forgotten to be loving. And so Paul asks us to consider this in Romans 14. He goes on to say this. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. In other words, don't hit back. Don't pay evil for evil. But do what is honorable in the sight of all. He says this from verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends in you, on you, live peaceably with all. I love that in God's grace, he gave us a little, I don't know what the right word is, but it feels like a clause in verse 18. I looked at it in every translation I could find, some 15 to 19 translations I think I looked at, and every single one of them, 18, says this, if possible. 
as much lies in you, but if possible, in verse 18. Almost as if Paul understood, I'm going to, by God's grace, there's a little clause I'm going to give you to living peaceably uh, with everyone. He gave us this clause, meaning you can't control every relationship in your life. In fact, there's two people in every relationship. And since you cannot control how the other person responds, as far as it depends on you, if possible, That means the person that you're not talking to right now because there's an offense, there's a hurt, as far as it goes with you, as much as it's possible with you, if possible, you're going to do what's right. That person that was really rude to you, that person that has wronged you, that has took advantage of you, that has not loved you well, as much as it lies within you, if possible, verse 18, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with them. The assignment is tough. It's tough, and we cannot do it on our own. But in a world where everyone drives you crazy, we are called to something higher, something greater. You're going to forgive. You're not going to pay evil with evil, because this is the way of Jesus. Now, what you might want to say is this, well, Daniel, they're, they're not being nice, and if you understood the hurt they've caused... They haven't apologized. They're not being kind. It takes two to tangle, and it takes two to reconcile, and they have not done their part. I'd ask you to consider this. It takes two to reconcile, but it takes one to forgive. It takes one to be loving. And so, as it says in verse 18, as far as it depends on you, we're going to live at peace with everyone. You see, the way for the follower of Jesus Christ, when everyone drives you crazy, when someone's offending you, when there's tension, when there's too much for you to handle, the way for the follower of Jesus Christ is forgiveness. Now here's the thing, we move, we move relationships based on our capacity to forgive. And we do not fear from a chaotic heart. We don't uh, forgive, I should say, from a chaotic heart. We don't forgive from... Um, this uh, heart that is wrestling between all the emotions in our heart, we forgive based on the peace that exists in Jesus Christ. And if you choose to unforgive or not forgive, if unforgiveness becomes your way, it becomes the barrier to the peace of God in your life. One of the habits I picked up during the pandemic is, and I shared a little bit of this last week, is I've been writing out verses that I want to memorize. Um, And I'll just write them, and that's all I'll do, and I might say them again. And as I write them, as you write something, you just learn and you start memorizing it. It's a very simple way I've learned to memorize verses, so that's all I do is I just write them. I was writing the Lord's Prayer um, for the first good six months of the pandemic just to calm my heart And the chaos that was existing, it was so peaceful for me. And so still to this day, most mornings I'll I'll begin at some point with the Lord's Prayer. There's a portion of the Lord's Prayer that says, Forgive me as I forgive my debtors. Forgive me in the same manner as I have forgiven my debtors. As I have forgiven people in my life, Lord, I want you to forgive me. That's a heavy prayer. 
How often are we supposed to forgive someone? Man, oh man. You know the people we often are called to forgive? Friends, family. <laughs> you know why? Because they drive us crazy. They have relationship with us. And because they have relationship with us, um, they can hurt us. They can wound us. And so Peter comes to Christ one day. He says, man, how many times have we got to forgive someone, Lord? I guarantee you he was probably talking about Andrew. Like Andrew and him probably had an argument that morning. And Peter's like, man. So he goes to Jesus, how many times? Well, according to Jewish law, Jewish custom, you had to forgive someone three times within 24 hours. So Peter pulls himself together. I don't know if he's thinking about Andrew. That's probably who I would be thinking about, my brother. Someone who, who I love, someone who could hurt me. And he comes to Jesus and he says, man, how many times do we have to forgive someone? Seven times? Because Peter knows the custom and he's saying to himself, well, shoot, if we have to do it three times, well, I'll double that and I'll add one and surely that will be enough. Surely that will be enough times for me to forgive him. So he says to Jesus, uh, how many times? By the way, the reason why family and friends are the hardest to forgive is because we know they, we will preserve the relationship with them. If we do that, we know there will come another time in our life where we have to forgive them again. There's an old saying that says, to dwell above with those we love, that will be a glory. To dwell below with those we know, that's another story. Right? Because it's hard. Peter's trying to be generous up to seven times, Lord. And the answer from Jesus is this, 70 times seven. In other words, over and over and over and over again. In fact, if you have to put a number on it, it's not really forgiving. So church, are you forgiven? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you name the name of Christ, then you believe in 1 John 1. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our call... Our mandate as followers of Jesus Christ is if we've been forgiven, we should be forgiving. And when we choose not to forgive, when we choose to hold on to resentment, it is the bitter indignation of being treated unfairly. When we choose to hold on to that, it is self-torture. Because resentment will always hurt you more than it hurts others. It is drinking poison and expecting the other party to be hurt. So Jesus says in his prayer, this is what I want you to pray. Forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. So who is it, church? Who are you holding unforgiveness for? Who has offended you? Who has wronged you? Who has hurt your relationship? Who has done so? Because we get to choose whether or not we live with that unforgiveness. And if we choose to live with that unforgiveness, we are taking a pill, we're taking poison, 
and we are waiting for the other person to suffer from that resentment. There's another way to live. It's the way of Jesus. It's the way that says this, we're going to repay no one evil for evil. Uh, We're going to be kind. We're going to be compassionate. We're going to be forgiving. We're going to extend mercy. We're going to do all these things, not because it's in our great capacity to do so, because to be honest, church, that is exhausting to do in my own strength. It's not in our own capacity to do so. It's based on the mercies of God. So I say again, church, are you forgiven? Has Jesus Christ redeemed and restored relationships in your life? Has he, uh, have you embraced the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Have you claimed that forgiveness for your own? We were talking about this last week in one of the small groups we were leading where um, when we have received that grace from God in our life, it should not just sit there, but we are to be conduits to others. So, for just a few seconds, I want you to think about what relationship in your life needs that forgiveness. What relationship in your life needs to be released from unforgiveness? What relationship in your life needs to be embraced by the love and the grace of Jesus Christ? Because here's the beautiful thing. In the moment that you choose to forgive, your weight of getting even with this person has been lifted off your shoulders and it's placed at the foot of Jesus. Romans 12, verse 1 says this. In view of God's mercies, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by these mercies to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another and do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Church, being offended is inevitable. It will happen, but living that way is a choice. And Jesus, the one who is our peace, he didn't tell us that we always had to be right. He told us that we always had to be loving. And so for us, as far as it depends on us, what are we going to do? We're going to live peaceably with all. We're going to do our best by the power of the Spirit of God to live at peace with everyone. And it's my prayer today that for someone, that could be just what they need for healing in a relationship that's broken. And eventually, inevitably, it'll point them to a Jesus who is our peace. Let me pray for you this morning. Would you bow your heads to give you that space to be honest with yourself and with the Holy Savior? Father, we ask you to do what only you can do. Because we have admitted everyone at some point drives us crazy. 
we are conditioned to be offended and uh, hurt and wounded at a moment's notice. We're conditioned to just be in our own feelings. And so if I pray, Lord, that you would do a work in our heart today. As followers of Jesus Christ, we want to do whatever we can, wherever we are, to live in peace. Whether it's the rude person in public, the heart, the hurtful person in our own home. We want to be at peace, Lord. So, Father, give us a love that comes from heaven, a love that cannot generate from our own sinful self. Give us a peace that comes from only new and help us to die to ourselves as a living sacrifice. God, I pray now, especially for those who have seriously wounded relationships, there is trust that has been broken. There are friendships that have been torn apart, relationships that are hanging by a thread. Well, God, I thank you that you are a God of restoration. I thank you that there are friendships and family relationships in my life today that were broken and severed years ago, but you have restored them. I thank you that you are a God of healing, that you are a God of reconciliation and restoration. And so, Father, in the midst of moments where we feel like that restoration isn't possible in our own life, that that kind of restoration isn't possible in our own family, I pray that you would breathe life into that hope. I pray that we would embrace that you are a healer of relationships, that you're a God of forgiveness, Lord. And so today I pray for miracles in relationships. I pray for miracles in our own heart, that we would forgive, that we would rise above, that you would help us let go, that we, um, in the moment, would choose to forgive rather than to hold on to grudges and resentments and offenses. God, help us to give the mass of what feels like unforgivable offenses to you and help us to let the small ones go without even hesitating. God, in the way you have loved us, would you help us love others? We pray for healing and restoration in relationships. We pray that this Christmas season would gift us those new relationships restored, that forgiveness would be granted, that hearts would turn towards you. As far as it depends on us, God, help us to live at peace. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.